Welcome to the KW Review Podcast. This is episode three of season seven, and I'm part of the audio furniture that is Andy Davis. Great episode this week with a real KBB retail veteran, and we're talking about something that is a rare sighting within the sector, a bathroom retailer that has diversified into kitchens. It's much more typical to see kitchen retailers start a bathroom arm, but much less common to see it the other way around. But in uncertain times, there are almost certainly many retailers out there looking to try new things and expand their offering and appeal. So we're going to hear from a very experienced retailer who's done just that. Tony Passmore of the Passmore Group based up in Yorkshire. And trust me, it's worth it just to hear his views on what makes a successful KBB retailer. But first... A huge thanks to our bathroom sponsor for Season 7, our very good friends at Heritage Bathrooms. As so many of you will know, they're a UK leader in bathroom products and have been for many, many years. They've just had the biggest launch in Heritage history with five fabulous new looks, a wealth of new products and a brand new brochure. You can find out all about it at heritagebathrooms.com. Okay, so let's jump straight into it by meeting our very experienced guest, Tony Passmore from the Passmore Group. Hello, Tony. Good morning. Let's start with the obvious here. Let's give us a quick rundown of the Passmore Group for those that may not know you. So give us the 20-second overview of who you are and what you do. We're a long-established family business, almost 60 years old. I'm second generation, run it with my brother. It was started by my mum and dad. We are an installation business at heart that has sort of changed the focus of our business since the sort of 2010-2011 economic crash. Today, we turn over about 9 million, got about 100 staff, and we do bathrooms, kitchens, we've got a building element, and also bathroom adaptations, and kitchen adaptations for that matter. So quite a multifaceted business, but very, very much an installation business. You started off in bathrooms, didn't you? That was your background. At heart, we're actually sort of a plumbing and general trade business. And we've always done bathrooms because that's what your plumbing and general trade business is. We had a tiny showroom way back, but never really marketed it and never really classed ourselves as a bathroom showroom or in the bathroom showroom market. But as I say, when the economic crash came, we did a lot of work for local authorities at that point in uh, disabled facilities grants, adapting bathrooms and shower rooms. And we decided to reposition the company more into the bathroom retail market. When I say bathroom retail, I'm talking about a full service offering that is designed, supply and fit that was going to be marketing led growth. We moved to new premises that got a, a, we got a pretty good showroom in there and started building up a marketing footprint. So really the, the retail bathroom element of our business, although we've been doing it for 60 years, really we started to major on this 2011, 2012. But what I like about this story is it's, it's a natural growth based on skills that you already have, if you know what I mean. You're, there's a natural step to that from one to the other to the other that's led to where you are. Okay, so you've got all that experience. You, you know bathrooms inside out. You've designed them. You fit them. You sell them. Why and when did you decide to move into kitchens? Well, we've, we've fit kitchens for years. We've had the skills in the business to fit kitchens. So it, it was nothing particularly new to us. But again, Going out to market saying, hey, we're a, we're a kitchen retailer with a showroom was definitely a big step. So it was always on the in the plans. But we decided that we'd have to get the timing right. And we had a lot of work to do within bathrooms to get the, the marketing right, the systems, the processes to make and build the bathroom brands. Because we've got the mobility brand and the and the general bathroom brand. And we felt we were, we, we were going to kitchens when we felt we'd got our bathroom house in order. And the natural progression to grow the business would be in kitchens. Because we've been so successful in growing the bathroom element of the business that we were getting to the point within our within our geographical market that we were starting to um, 
almost maximise the amount of work that we could achieve. You know, we're in that mid, sort of higher mid-end of the market. You know, we're not at the bottom, we're not at the top. And there's only so many chimney pots, you know, in, in any geographical area. And we felt we were getting to the point where we were running out of a little bit of traction and the timing was right to bring kitchens on to facilitate the growth ob- objectives of the company. That was 2019. We decided we would take over some meeting sh- meeting rooms in our lead showroom and create a kitchen footprint, put some shows, some displays in there. And it was going to be a soft launch. And no sooner had we got well into the showroom fit out, we took over a, a business that had a concession in a garden centre in Murfield, which is probably 20 miles from where we are, 25 miles from where we are. And we literally walked in there and took over the concession. And with that, we we got some really high quality staff in terms of designers, demonstrators and surveyors. And so that came all at once. And, and then Liftoff just went from there. We just replicated the marketing we were doing within bathrooms, which we got really, we felt we got really good at. And we just replicated that into a new kitchen brand, which was the More Kitchens brand. And, and literally started marketing and expanded our digital footprint to take account of the extended area that we had. Bear in mind that we had a bathroom showroom in Harrogate. Again, we acquired a business about six years ago. And in the second lockdown, we put a kitchen showroom into Harrogate as well. And again, extended our digital, digital footprint to take over that area. So it's been two years of quite manic growth, really. So I think the story you've told there is probably very familiar to an awful lot of retailers and bathroom retailers in this case, where they feel they've perhaps gone as far as they can with the amount of business that's available to them in the area and they need to go into something new or different. Now, some people decide to go very upmarket, for example, and start getting big premium jobs and other people might decide just to try a whole new area again. So let's step back. Let's imagine I'm a bathroom retailer, right, who's looking for new opportunities. I've got my eye on kitchens. What do you think the main transferable skills are between the two? I think if you're going into what is effectively a new market, although it's not a totally different market, it's it's part of the home improvement market. I think you've got to make sure you've got the knowledge and expertise to be able to deliver, you know, let's say kitchens as opposed to bathrooms, because there are there are nuances. Yes, at the end of the day, we're just basically designing space and we're putting kits and fitting kits into a space. But there are differences. And I think you've got to make sure you've got sufficient knowledge and expertise, both in your design teams and your delivery teams, but also in your marketing, your marketing teams to make sure that you can effectively go into the new market almost seamlessly without it looking like a different business that's run a different way. So I think you've got to have consistency within your within your business, but definitely the the transferable skills of design and installation are, are absolutely critical. If indeed you're doing the full service element like we are, because we don't do, we don't do supply only and we don't do fit only, we do the whole job or not at all. So it is part of the first step. Do you think working out and identifying what you don't know? Well, that's the million dollar question is you don't know what you don't know. I think before you jump into it, you've got to do it. You've got to do sufficient research. You've got to do sufficient research to make sure you understand the market, you understand the competition, what your proposition is to your customers. And have you got the infrastructure within your business to take on the expansion, which if it works, can come quite quickly. So I think you've, you've got to have a good planning phase. We were thinking about this for sort of four or five years before we actually took the plunge to make sure that we felt we were we were ready. So yes, you, you need the right people with you, the right skills, but you've got to have a good business to start with. 
Yeah, I mean, it's slightly different for you because you have fitted kitchens, but for lots of people, you know, there are lots of technical differences between bathrooms and kitchens. There's lots of technical stuff that you need to know. Yeah, no, that, that's that's absolutely right. And that's why it's key to make sure that if you're going to, if, if you've not got that knowledge and you don't know what you don't know, then you've got to bring somebody in with you to help you understand that, which which is how it worked for us. You know, we managed to we bring two or three good people in that really knew the game, were kitchens through and through, and that really made a difference. I think without that, it would have been a lot more difficult. But having said that, our intention was to go really slow and have baby steps, but the COVID pandemic hit and, and it went crazy. So how easy is that recruitment? If you're an established bathroom business, for example, and you, you're trying to hire kitchens in, it is you know, a new proposition. You're untested in that sense. How easy is it to, to find the right people to come and join you? Well, finding right people for any job in the current world in which we live is extremely difficult. I think in our case, we, we've always done it by acquisition. So we've had two or three acquisitions where we've got the people, which is probably the, the key element. You've got the people that, that understand that and, and they give you, they give you a good standing start. If you're going from scratch, you've really got to go to your networks. You've got to be clear about the type of people that you want to help you with it. Because it's not good having somebody with the right skills if they've got the wrong values. So you've, you've, you've got to work hard to find somebody. But I appreciate if you don't really know what you're letting yourself in for, then that's going to be quite difficult because you need a starting point. For us, it's, it's work through acquisition. Look, the crucial part is you've got to have something to sell, haven't you? Yeah. So where do you start when it comes to actually sourcing the product? How do you find and then decide on the right suppliers for you? In our particular case, it was about trying to find suppliers that had a good track record, that had some degree of heritage, that, again, seemed to have similar values to us. We're big on values as a business. They had similar values. It's then about trying to understand their processes, trying to understand their product ranges, is the diversity within that product range, you know, what's their backup like. And it's then a little bit of a leap of faith. But you've got to go through that. You're almost interviewing a supplier to make sure that they are good and can deliver what you as a business need, whatever that might well be. So the process is the same as as, as hiring a designer or a, a surveyor or a project manager. Is be clear about what you want and, and ask the questions. Yeah, as always in these cases, the proof of the pudding is when they, they walk in on that first day or they make that first delivery and you find out whether everything they've been telling you has been true or not. But that's about the interview process for, for the supplier or for the or, or for a member of staff. You've got to ask searching questions. You've got to validate what they're saying to you because if you get it wrong, in any case, that's expensive. And if you start in a new business and you get off with the wrong supplier or you get off with the wrong people, then you're, you're going to damage your brand before you've even gone out of bed. And, and that's not good. And if you're a company that does bathrooms and are now doing kitchens, if you're doing bathrooms really well, but you get off to a bad start with kitchens, that damages your bathroom work because in these days of social media and reviews and everything, everything's in the, everything's in the public domain. You've got to be really, really careful. Uh, because if you get it wrong, you get the wrong people, the wrong supply chains, then you can damage your existing business almost immediately, or very, very quickly, let's put it that way. And if you've got damage to your business, it can take some time to recover. 
what do you think the main differences are between the bathroom supply chain and the kitchen supply chain? Because if, yeah, if you're a very well-established bathroom business and you know the products, you know the suppliers, you know how it all works, and they are probably very happy to supply you because you're very well-established. But if you're going into kitchens for the first time, you know, you're new to them too. And therefore, some of the terms and conditions might be very different. Well, I think there are far fewer kitchen suppliers than there are bathroom distributors, which is the normal supply chain in bathrooms. You know, we can buy certain products from three or four different distributors. Whereas with kitchens, you know, you're invariably going direct to the manufacturer. There's not that many manufacturers about, certainly not as many manufacturers as there are bathroom manufacturers. And it's a much tighter relationship with this with your supplier. And if you pick if you if you pick a kitchen supplier or a manufacturer and you fit your showroom out with everything with all their kit or a fair amount of their kit it's really got to work because if it doesn't that's a big investment that's gone wrong and you're then looking for another supplier to follow you up so so in bathrooms if you're dealing with one distributor and their service is poor because they've had a change of ownership or whatever it might well be you can quite easily get the same products from different distributors who may be better or maybe worse kitchens is not quite as simple as that Right. And like I say, you are a new business to them. And therefore, some of the terms and conditions or credit terms or whatever it is that come along with being established in bathrooms, you've got to then renegotiate all, all that, the financial side of it. Uh, you, you've, you've got to do it. You've, you know, you've got to. And again, you've got to deal with it. I, I believe you've got to deal with your supply chain as partners and not just as suppliers or manufacturers. You've got to work together to meet both companies' objectives. So it becomes a win-win situation. That is the key to it working together you want pain but they want pain so make sure you pay your bills on time work with them and if you work with them they can help you when you need it and and you'll become a preferred customer of theirs almost as they become a preferred supplier of yours so it's a relationship it's the critical thing I think a big part of this, and particularly for you and the way your group operates, is that it becomes a, even more of a complete package. So it's not just a case of I do bathrooms and I do kitchens. I guess one of the things you're trying to get across to your customers a lot is we can do your bathroom and your kitchen. It expands the amount of work you can do for each client as opposed to increase the number of clients you have, if that makes sense. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, so if I'm if I'm having a bathroom done as a householder, I'm going to have my bathroom done every 10 to 15 years. So I'm not going to come back again until, I either move house or 15 years elapses and my bathroom's gone. So it's almost a one-off sale. So the beauty of being able to do bathrooms and kitchens, and, and bedrooms is on the outside of this as well. We don't particularly market bedrooms, but we do bedrooms because the skills are very transferable from kitchens, is that if somebody's having an ensuite, there's a good chance to do a bedroom. But you're, you're right. You know, people have, if they've had an experience with you, either as a kitchen or a bathroom installation, and it's been a good experience, they're more likely to come back to you, provided they're aware of the, that you do it. They're more likely to come back to you for a, a kitchen or a bedroom or, or a bathroom, whatever it might well be. So there's that there's that synergy and what we call cross fertilization between the brands that really is the is the, is one of the key things because your average order out of your customer is suddenly doubled or trebled, and the recommendations that then come from that, you know. If you just do bathrooms, your customer will recommend your bathroom service to other people. But if you've got two or three offerings like kitchens and bedrooms, then they're going to become advocates, hopefully, and recommend you for all your different product ranges. So let's go back to our fictional bathroom retailer who's looking for these new opportunities and is thinking about kitchens. What's a reasonable time scale, do you think, where this starts to become a reasonable part of the business? When you started planning this, how far ahead were you looking before it really started contributing? Well, we we want to do it slowly to build up our knowledge within the kitchen industry almost. As I say, COVID came and 
the purse strings of everybody was unleashed and we, we grew from zero to about two million pound in, in, in less than two years. We didn't want to grow that fast. Fortunately, as I said, we had the right people that could deal with it and we had the expertise. It wasn't our intention. We would like to have just probably put half a million on in the first year, then maybe another half in the second, and then then started to grow then once we'd got a footprint in there and we'd got expertise and knowledge. But but actually we, we got on this steam train and through COVID, there was an immense amount of coal being thrown onto the steam train and the train was just getting faster and faster and faster. But we really did well. We created the brand and we maintained the level of quality and customer care that we were known for within our bathroom operation. But it certainly went a lot faster than we wanted. I, I would say to anybody, you know, go, go in baby steps, take it slowly. Acknowledging that if you've put a bit of investment into it by fitting a showroom out and getting some, you know, getting a, a great designer and maybe a great project manager, you've got investment in there that you need to get a return on as quick as you can. So there's a balance there's a balancing act between how fast you go because you've got to make the numbers count. I'll tell you what though, Tony, you've you've never sounded quite so Yorkshire as you did when you started talking about steam trains. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, lad. Thanks, lad. I mean look, hindsight is a marvellous thing, isn't it? What do you think are the biggest things you learned? What did you wish you'd known that you know now when you started out doing kitchens? <laughs> I think because we were going to go in baby steps and, and things took off rather quickly, we didn't quite do the full strategic development plan that we sort of intended to do once we sort of dipped our toe in the water. And now two years on, when the market's starting to tighten a little bit, um, we're having to go back to that now to fully understand the, our typical customer, our market, to understand what the competition do and what their offering is, to validate what our USP is. So we're going back to that now. It's what's quite a difficult time. We intended to do that two years ago. Things just took off so fast that it never became a priority, whereas now we're putting that back into a priority to make sure we've got the strategic development plan in place to take account of the uncertain world in which we're currently in. Well, the other thing was as well, we're finding with kitchens it's some say it's some say it's it's a simpler fit than a bathroom and some say it's harder i guess for us we find fitting bathrooms a piece of cake kitchens is a bit more challenging because there's more we've a slightly different model in bathrooms we use a multi-trade fitting teams whereas in kitchens it's specialist trades so there's a lot more project management but i think the biggest difference for us probably with it being a bigger ticket item is that the customer expectations are a lot more and Customers are much more demanding about the standard of finish, the standard of quality, the standard of service that they get, which we're dealing with. And, it, and in some degrees, as improving our improving us as a business, as we make sure we meet those expectations. But I think they're the, they're the two key things. Right. I suppose that's the thing we haven't touched on, is there? That what you're learning in kitchens, you can then transfer back into the bathroom side of things as well. Definitely, definitely. And again, as you move, we've moved into a slightly higher demographic market generally across the business. They get more money for for their bathroom or kitchen, and they do demand more. And therefore, what you've got to do is you've got to you've got to step up. You've got to improve your service because service is key, especially if you're going into if you've got a reasonably high ticket value to the job, you've got to give the customer the quality of the installation, which should be a given. But the backup, the aftercare, the service throughout, you know, the care and attention, the, the peace of mind, all those things. And that's never easy. That's never easy. But for 60 years, that's been our business ethos, you know, look after your customers, be honest, have integrity and look after them and they'll look after you. And we, we find that works. 
Well, look, Tony, it would be remiss of me to not pick the brains of that experience a little bit here at the end with a bit more of a general question of how you see businesses at the moment. As you've touched on it, a bit of uncertainty going on. What, what's your view of, of the market at the moment as we speak? We, we found the kitchen market beginning to slow from from this summer onwards in terms of the volume of inquiries that were coming in, which was partly due to, I think, a shortage in our marketing efforts and also the fact that the buying process became a little bit more protracted and a little bit longer. Bathrooms, maybe because we're a bit more established, has been has been full steam ahead. I think November last year was a record month for bathroom sales, which was bizarre when kitchens was that much more difficult to do. And we're now entering 2023 with real uncertainty you know politically economically but domestically and internationally there's so many things going on that can affect our business negative or positively that that you've got to be able to react to and try and plan for but it's going to be difficult but at the end of the day it is what it is and any business whether you're selling bottle tops or anything you've got to make sure that the product you're selling is right and fit for purpose You've got to make sure that you're finding the sort of customers that want the product that what you've got. You've got to make sure that you're giving the customer the product that they want and you're demonstrating the value of that product. And you've got to reassure them that they're spending their what is now real hard-earned money. You've got to really ensure that they feel confident that they're spending it with the right people. So you've got to get your value proposition right. You've got to be clear about what you're offering. Your customer's got to understand that then it's essential that you offer it. And if you do that, as we found, I mean, I've been through two or three recessions, which has given me age away a little bit, but a recession or a slowdown is a fantastic opportunity to grow. You've just got to make sure you really don't miss a trick and you're on top of the, you're on top of your game. You've got your ear game out. It's as simple as that. Well, look, Tony, that's incredibly wise words from someone who, who really knows what they're talking about. So uh, I'm sure an awful lot of people will be listening very intently to that. Thank you so much for your time today. It is so interesting to, to step through that journey with you. Good luck with everything in the future, and we'll catch up again soon to see whether that uncertainty is becoming more certain. Fantastic. It's great to speak. Thank you. That was Tony Passmore from the Passmore Group, and there were some real nuggets in there, weren't there? Such an interesting business and a real privilege to get a peek behind his curtain. That's not a euphemism. Thank you again to our Season 7 bathroom sponsor, Heritage. Remember, you can find out all about the new ranges from their biggest ever launch at heritagebathrooms.com. And if anyone there asks, just tell them you heard all about it on the KBB Review podcast. In fact, tell them that even if they don't ask. Maybe even get a t-shirt done or something. I mean, it's just a suggestion. Also, don't forget to book your tickets as soon as you can for the KBB Review Retail and Design Awards 2023. It's on Thursday, April the 20th in Cardiff, and you can find out everything you need to know at kbbreview.com forward slash awards. See you next time.